0: Hello and welcome to the Development Dilemma podcast, a place for the conversations we've been avoiding between expats and locals in the development space. We hear from both sides of the table to tackle development dilemmas and chart how we can do it better. Join me as we start the conversation. In this episode, I speak with Vandana Totoli. As an Indian, she brings an interesting perspective from someone who finds herself often in the middle Of the divide between her Kenyan and expat friends and colleagues. She's lived in Kenya for seven years now, trying to learn and navigate and appreciate Kenyan culture, and in so doing, she has noticed the consequences of the gap between Kenyans and expats, both socially but particularly in the workplace. So, in this episode, we explore how she's seen this gap, enforced by misperceptions, the consequences it has for workplaces, and how both sides can try to improve upon this, something that should be initiated by expats alongside Kenyans and where organizations can play an important role. Well, thank you, Vandana. It's lovely to have you join us on the podcast. So thanks for making the time and great to have your voice.
1: Thank you, Arna. Thank you for having me on the talk. So,
0: yeah. I'd love to start with a little bit about your position and how you see yourself.
1: I've been here in Kenya for seven years now. And I have friends from all over the world today. I think Nairobi is definitely a major cultural melting pot, I think, of the world. And both local Kenyans, uh, uh, the Indian community, I work with the Dutch, so the Dutch community. And and yeah, when you uh, spoke about like the divide in Kenya, about a racial divide or a, a cultural mismatch, it kind of resonated with me because it does take a lot of time in understanding one another's culture. And... I thought it was a very important topic to have and have dialogue around it and start conversations. And I, I think I really like this initiative. I, I can, I'm can. i not sure if I can say this, but as a brown person, I think I was able to navigate the different um, races much easier of some sort. So, yeah, I mean, I think I can bring in a different perspective.
0: Yeah, wonderful to have you on that. And I think what resonated with when, when we spoke initially was that, I'm also someone who's Indian, yeah. who sits in this gap of being not black, not white, in a society or, or a discussion yeah. that is at least divided on those lines. Yeah. And so it's great to get your opinion, your perspective as someone who's tried to navigate that. So I wonder yeah. how you have found that.
1: Um, if I can bring an Indian perspective, also because Indians are definitely treated as another tribe in Kenya, right? So, it, uh, but that also brings a lot of connotations. So sometimes it could be negative, but a larger most of the time, I'm very accepted as a local, as a, as a Kenyan. So they, everybody speaks to me in Swahili all the time. So it, it, in some sense, it's also very positive for me that people are used to Indians in that sense. And for me, that entry level was quite easy. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Given that situation, how have you found navigating the, the complexity of a new place?
1: So what happened with me was when I first moved to Kenya people would say things like oh you uh, don't go to town it's very busy and then i go to town and i realize it's not busy at all like i mean i come from india i mean my city is like 15 million people Uh, and the cities i've been to in india are anywhere between 20 million and 26 million people so for me within two cities of india for example i've already covered the whole population so it's not busy right so when it comes to certain systems Uh, in Kenya, like um, everything from corruption to how offices work or hierarchies or um, how systems don't work. I'm used to it already. And at a a much larger state and, uh, you know, uh, it's much more difficult, I think, for me to navigate India as an Indian than it has been for me to navigate the systems of Kenya. So it, it was not difficult. It's not perfect, but it is Not as difficult for me. But having said that, because I interact with a lot of expats uh, from different countries here, what I find sometimes this mismatch is when you come from a perfect place, let's say like Switzerland. I mean, I've been to Switzerland and it was too perfect for me. As an Indian, when I went there, I was scared (laughs) that why is everything working so well? And uh, let's say to an extent that it was not. It was almost boring at some point, you know. I was like, I need chaos. I'm used to chaos. I need that. But I can understand now when and a Swiss Swiss comes to Kenya and say nothing from the airport onwards works, for example, or everything is delayed by one hour, for example, where they get everything in less than 59 seconds, there is a huge divide in what the expectation of a country and the governments and the public and private systems should work. I didn't have that problem, so for me, Kenya is easy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think perfect is, is one which similarly I wouldn't call the you know, Switzerland and Netherlands perfect, but it works in a certain way, and it works very well in that way. Yeah. What I love here, in, in one aspect, has been that people are hustling, things are happening. It's it's chaotic in some respect, but there's a lot of energy from that, and so I think yeah, each place has its own and.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we get used to yeah whatever is around us, right? And um, Kenya, India, or the entire South South corridor, most probably we are much more chaotic. We our systems work. The systems work in the way we make it work, or we are used to, and it, it's comfortable for us to navigate. But I'm I can understand when somebody says nothing works here. Why they are saying so? Because if somebody is coming and complaining about systems not working here. And if they're from europe or the us and it's it's what they were used to it's nothing negative they're not saying it out it maybe they're saying it out of frustration but for them that's their reality for me that wasn't a problem right i'm not frustrated when something doesn't work i'm so used to it not working if the power goes off i'm okay waiting for a day for it to come back i don't have a problem but i i mean imagine if i'm as a swiss and I'm used to not a single day of downtime. Uh, My internet is working fine, like absolutely no problem. I can understand if you're coming here and maybe something didn't work for four hours, it's going to be maddening. I mean, it, it, it it is going to be frustrating.
0: It will be frustrating. I wonder, is it justified frustration? You know, when you come to another place, then is the onus on you to adapt?
1: Absolutely. I think the onus is on the person who's coming in to adapt. If we are not in a position to change uh, and bring in the infrastructure and change everything, no, then obviously the only point that can happen is you have to adapt to what is there. We can still complain. I think it's it's okay. <laughs> Humans, we, we, if you're frustrated, we do complain about it. And the locals also complain. It's not as if uh, everybody is not complaining. Everybody is complaining about it. But it's Also, a level of acceptance into it. So we look for other places where, uh, let's say, electricity is not working in this particular area today. You call up other friends and say, is it working in your area? Then I can come and stay, you know, work it out. You
0: know, you find a solution. Before you've mentioned this notion of kind of time fluidity, and Mm -hmm. this is one which is frequently talked about, you know, in terms of African time, etc. But (laughs) I'd be curious, in your middle position, how you see that?
1: I mean, India also sometimes time is not... 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. doesn't mean exactly 10 a.m. It could be 10.15, it could be 10.10, it could be 10.30. But there is always that a leeway with respect to time. It's not very rigid. Like I said, initially, when I first went to Switzerland and I saw these buses, trams, boats, everything working to the minute. On a day-to-day basis, like, I would go to work and I, I would give myself half an hour to reach my office. The there are days I'm sitting in the traffic for 3 kilometers for 45 minutes. I mean, it's insane, but... I've always had to call up people and say, sorry, I'm running late. Expecting again about perfection with respect to time. Or I uh, think
0: rigidity is a nice way to put it. It's a yeah, rigidity. It,
1: you need to acknowledge that uh, it, it's not so easy for somebody to be there at the exact time, understanding the other, the perception, the culture, the systems helps you to not be that frustrated I think number one about certain things not working out and then not being very negative about it and openly criticizing somebody's uh, systems or culture I mean if somebody was coming at you all daggers I mean, they're just saying very negative things about your culture about you're going to not like it right it would irritate you but because you are going to be nice about it or maybe you don't have the power in certain situations work situations or whatever, you're not going to say anything, but that doesn't make you a happy person either. <laughs> and that is going to be a negative environment.
0: And perception right? of the other person. And the
1: perception is, as, as it is maybe we are starting off at a negative level, and this is going to exasperate that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> okay, and I wonder then, onto kind of the relationship you've had with both people who are who are mm-hmm. white and black, and then from many different countries, how have you seen your relationships as being someone who navigates this kind of middle space mm-hmm. with both of those groups uh, as well as between them.
1: And this, I think, is where there's a huge gap. There's a lot of assumptions about each other's culture, about what repercussions could be from each other's perspective. So how do you then go to the next step? Like, how do you bridge that? Like,
0: And how do, yeah. you, how do you, I wonder, in, be it in social settings, be it yeah. elsewhere or at work, how have you seen that gap? come into effect have you seen examples where it's been evident that clearly there isn't that relationship between
1: right in many social settings like say there's a party happening even if it's official or and and i'm having a conversation let's say with my black colleagues and we are having very in-depth conversations about be it about race or systems or something working a little more let's say in-depth conversations but suddenly if i have a white colleague come into the mix for example and suddenly the conversations become very superficial and suddenly it turns and it's about the weather it's about the clothes it's about makeup it it could change the mood Or I see people clamp up they're not talking anymore and then party can end the party there but having said that it's just that maybe there's not a level of comfort to openly speak about things that are happening and and this is not just in parties and it happens both sides from what I've seen like let's say I'm in a mix of all my white friends or, or something and then we're having other types of conversations about something and then a black colleague walks in, and suddenly there's silence there also. Or again, there's not necessarily silence but a little bit awkward and then topics could change completely. So there is definitely, I mean sometimes mismatch, but also as a third party observing this, let me put it that way, and, and I see it happen and there's something sometimes I feel helpless that I'm not able to do anything about it because both all of them are very good friends of mine, right? Like, And I, I I, feel like I could be the bridge and sometimes I am the bridge and I'm, I'm failing something because I'm not able to <laughs> bridge that gap. Like, Technically, it should be a safe space to be able to have open conversations. There shouldn't have been a gap. There shouldn't be any awkwardness, but there is.
0: And, and some of those, as you say, I think yeah. there's a lot of history that goes into... Our existences, yeah. who we are, how we look and what that means. I wonder with some of those perceptions, have you seen a mismatch between what those, those perceptions and, and realities? The example you shared about you wanting to share this podcast. With,
1: with my colleagues. Um, so we do have a social group. And I, I just thought, why don't I post it? And why don't I put it up on Facebook or LinkedIn or like on my social media pages just to have a conversation starter? And I was confident to be able to do it. But because I I know I'm super impulsive, so I just kind of take a step. I just took a step back in this situation and I just sent it to a couple of my very close friends. like Who are my Kenyan colleagues and Kenyan friends, right? Like then I shared it and I just got back to me and said, I didn't even hear the podcast, but just the title of this podcast, please don't share it to others. And please don't share it in the common
0: groups. With expats.
1: Which has everybody in it expats, locals, everybody. And they just said, please don't share it, right? Okay, then I realized two things. One was my own privilege that I was willing to share without any fear of repercussions. I realized how privileged I was in this situation to confidently <laughs> say, here, take it. I mean, even now, this podcast, I'm mean, able to do with my name out there, organization and so on, and just say, I'm able to do it because I am confident in my position. I'm talking from a point of privilege. Even this bridging the gap most probably, I mean, my lived experiences is what I've shared, but it might really not work for my friends. I don't know, right? I mean, it's up to them how they take this and do it. But I got feedback and that is the number two part. Like they were my friends. They said things because they were worried for me. And that is friendship that I was talking. And that's true friendship. So that is number two. For me, I was okay to share because also, I know my most of my white friends would be happy to listen to the other perspective and to have conversations around it. I actually sent it personally on a one on one basis to many of my American uh, and European friends. We've had very nice conversations based on that. So I know it's not bad. <laughs> so then I felt, oh, <laughs> see there is this gap, right? There is this assumption and the perception that this is not going to go down well and it is going to affect me. I was like, oh, but I don't think it's going to be that bad. (laughs) And that is where this whole, I I think the reason I, I I don't know, we've been speaking to you is because of that podcast, right? Like that was the beginning of this conversation of why I'm engaged today is because I I saw that gap.
0: It encapsulates very clearly an example of this divide and how, there can be wonderful people on both sides, but we need to, you know, find a way to move forward. And, and so it's it's great to expand on that as we have. I, I,
1: I think it it could be as simple as that. like it, it could be a basic assumption about salary, but it is a big assumption. Also, it could create a lot of negativity already. Thinking that there's a difference when there is maybe no difference because we haven't asked those questions. So I must say even my experience of being in Kenya, as much as it's... Been easier to navigate the systems and so on. Officially speaking, like in an office setup, it took me a lot of time to understand the culture. I mean, I am from India, but I had a very uh, liberal upbringing and my previous work experiences were all in very flat organizations. In Kenya, it took me a while to understand the culture of the organization and the country, also, right?
0: There's the book you've mentioned, which is great, Culture Map by Erin yeah. Meyer, I think. Yeah. And she speaks strongly about different axes upon which cultures differ. And, and one of these are relationships and where trust originates from. Is it from actions and output or is it from personal relationships and, yeah. and seeing those things? And as you say, I think there's a reality yeah. that exists here in, in yeah. India as well, of course, where those personal relationships are very, very important to yeah. how you'll work together. And so given that, when it comes to the friendships you developed, how has that influenced your work and, and helped you bridge some of that gap?
1: It took me a while to make friends who could then point out my mistakes, be it with white people or black people. I mean, it's just a, about somebody coming and telling me, what you just said was absolutely not right in this situation. For somebody to come and tell me that in Kenya... <laughs> We are hesitant. You like your job. And you don't want that to be in jeopardy. And it's the same thing with a lot of situations where you're very careful about navigating it. And in the process, what would happen is that you're, you're completely... If you did something wrong and nobody pointed it out to you, you think it's right and you continue with those things. It's unfortunate, but it happens all the time because nobody ever points out to you and says, you know, you're wrong. <laughs> you know, And for me it helped to actually develop that kind of friendship. And those friends, like colleagues, who are today very good friends, and they are the ones who even today, like, and I have to say, in spite of understanding culture and cultural differences and trying my best to navigate the system, I still make mistakes. And try my best not to repeat it, at least. Uh, Or go and apologize, where I was like, okay, I did this mistake, so I know whom to apologize to. So I would go to my colleagues and say, I'm so sorry that I didn't understand what I was. I was saying was not right, or I assumed it was correct, or something. And just that helped me a lot in my workplace. Frankly, like just, I think culture, the culture map by Erma has really helped me navigate that kind of a system. But also, just understanding differences, different work culture, also right, like because that's not easily evident. Like we talk about the cultural iceberg what we see on the top is just very few things about clothes, food, color, um, maybe music, festivals, things like that. But there's a lot under that iceberg, like that's not visible. And that definitely takes time and understanding and just engaging maybe with others to learn about it. So in this process, so I always feel like there will always be mistakes, but somebody has to point out to you. And that Level of friendship. You need years of friendship to be able to open up and talk about it.
0: And so that takes, in your experience, that just takes time.
1: That just, yeah, that takes time and effort. Definitely a lot of effort. If you really want to bridge that gap, you have to put in the effort. And as an expat, I would think the onus is definitely going to be on on the expat. But having said that, there is also a little bit of support from the (laughs) local community would definitely help
0: there needs to be an openness openness. on both sides and I agree the effort and the responsibility lies on the person who's coming into someone else's home
1: but being friendly and actual friendships are two different things so friendships take time, effort um, and interest on both sides to actually do this and I
0: think touching on what you said earlier friendliness has different implications so in the UK or Then, it may be, there might be a friendliness, which means that one would expect certain types of information to be shared, or issues or concerns. Whereas here, it might need to go, and from your experience, it sounds like it needs to go beyond friendliness to friendship before people are going to be willing to share around some of their concerns or issues.
1: Absolutely, because, like I said, that safe space develops about, let's say, pointing out my mistakes. That couldn't have happened if I was just friendly. But if because I have formed true friendships, they're able to tell me I did something wrong. It needs that safe space, right? Right? And it's the same thing. Like even at a workplace, sometimes you just need somebody to put in a good word for you. And this is where networks and friendships are very important. It's good for jobs, it's good for career, it's 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 a social system, right? Like when I was ta- when we started the talk, we were talking about what systems exist and don't in different countries. A lot of social security in Kenya, in India, whatever, it's all about family and friends. It's what you fall back on. It's not the government. And that's your first stop. So friendships are very, very important in this. And this is what will help bridge this gap also to a large large extent is
0: to develop that friendship. I think it's very important. And what does that take to reach that level <laughs> of friendship? And I know it's, it's hard to quantify and there's no five-step yeah. rule because that would that would defeat a real relationship. But yeah. in your experience, what did it require of you in time, in effort, in patience, in commitment?
1: Um, I think to kind of look at this and bridging this gap, or not a, maybe not even bridge the gap completely, but just to at least fill in a few cracks <laughs> in, this, in these layers. I think the first thing is acknowledging privileges. Now I think almost everybody, when we are talking in a, in a certain, let's say in the development space, in the social enterprise space, impact investment space, there's privileges already. Like Everybody brings to the table some level of privilege. And sometimes we don't understand the other's lack of privilege or like just because we think we assume again the first step is inward looking like to look at and acknowledge that this is my privilege this is where i have to start off maybe it's color maybe it's wealth maybe it is power uh, in an official setting it can be both sides so privilege can also work from a local context that just because you're a local you might have more privilege than an expat You have systems around you that is working that is not easy for an expat to navigate. So I'm not saying privilege only from one perspective, but acknowledge privilege internally for all sides, right? I think that would be the first step that everybody has to take most probably. And for me, that was a big learning experience for myself.
0: What would be one example?
1: Uh, Let's say just being brown was a privilege, I think, in Kenya, right? Because people assume I'm rich. Uh, Okay, that... (laughs) Might or might not work out in my favor, but it's just that I'm Indian, I'm able to go to places without fear of repercussions. Doors don't shut in my face, of sort. Uh, being white also gives a lot of privilege, I think, in Kenya. I mean, the doors just open for you also. But I, let's say I acknowledge that privilege that I have in Kenya. I'm extremely privileged. <laughs> uh, more privileged than I was in India in some, at some level, I think. And for me, that just acknowledging that and then trying my best in, in certain cases, for example, in an official setting when I'm always pulled up to talk, for example, people look to me as if I'm the boss in a setting where I'm not the boss.
0: <laughs> because you're right? with Kenyan colleagues.
1: All my colleagues I work with in my team are all local Kenyans. I'm an expat. But in the sense, every time I go to the field with my colleagues, there's an automatic assumption that I am the boss. I'm not. Sure. <laughs> but it is it is my privilege. And I acknowledge that. And every time I have to stand up and say, I'm not the boss, here is my boss. And it is very awkward, uncomfortable, unfortunate. My colleagues lack privilege in this situation, right? And I see that. And I can, I can, I can at least acknowledge it. And I try my best to overcome that by... Trying to take a step back or hiding, unfortunately, it's not so easy <laughs> to be not visible because you'll be clearly standing out in certain situations, but at least to just acknowledge it and to say, okay, maybe there's something I can do about it and try to do about it, right? Like take a back step, try not to talk, like <laughs> speak last, <laughs> do something, do yeah. something, acknowledge yeah. it and do something about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, very much. Okay. Yeah. I, think that, I think that's a very good example because these things are tricky, you know, it is. and and they're not easy to navigate. But it's that recognition first of all, yeah. and a recognition of what you have over others. And I'm sure your colleagues appreciated that that you could recognize that they were in a different position to you. And yeah, yeah
1: I mean, I I think I can see if they are super irritated about it. Uh, let's say I'm going to a farmer group or something, and I'm pulled out as the boss and. My actual colleagues, who are my counterparts or my bosses, they're there, and I can. If I was in their position, wouldn't I be unhappy about it? Yes, <laughs> I worked hard to be where I am.
0: I think that's a really strong point to make because what it emphasizes is that you've not actively tried to yeah. seem like a boss, right? So yeah. this no. is not your fault. No. However histories yeah. and power dynamics and all of that and privileges yeah. mean that you are in that position correct and it means that also your Kenyan colleagues as you say it's very natural like we all would be would have some negative perceptions about you and yeah. feeling towards you yeah. and so it's something that even though you haven't actively committed any errors yeah. you have to be conscious of how you being perceived
1: humbling, actually yeah. like and perceived in the ground level right like I mean, this is years of differences, right? And we, I won't be able to bridge it. Like, I can't go and tell all the farmers, like, don't treat me as a boss. I mean, that's not going to happen. Stand up like a sore thumb.
0: And, and so, following that, that recognition of privileges and what next comes.
1: So, once I think you accept and acknowledge privileges and try to do something about it, that generalization should stop. Try connecting as individuals, start actively engaging with others and start these very difficult to talk conversations somehow
0: and you think that's best in one to one versions as opposed to group settings
1: it's also because of personalities right because in a group you could come up with multiple personalities and there's different like somebody can hog the entire like limelight i mean i'm an example of that also so it's easier i feel like if you're in smaller groups, maybe three people, four people, max, you know, instead of having 20 people standing around a table, that's not going to work anyway, but one-on-one would be the best. And then start conversations slowly. Then, uh, you know, have a little more in-depth conversations, I think that than just crashing the layer, uh, top layer of the cultural differences, right? Just to overcome those perceptions. um, I, I, I think conversations are the only way to go forward. And then you realize it's not just differences, but there's a lot of similarities also that we could explore, right? And uh, it's not always all differences. As humans, to a large extent, we are also very similar. We have similar problems, if nothing else. Like, you know, we are all facing the similar issues. We are almost always in the same boat. And actively seek that conversation. I think because it's not going to come to you, right? Somebody is not going to come and start a conversation just because... And
0: particularly, I would emphasize, these tricky subjects, given the power dynamics... Yeah. are much harder for a Kenyan to open up and initiate such a conversation yeah. as compared to an expat admitting, "No, oh, yes, I have these powers and privileges over you. Yeah. And so that's where I would place more emphasis and more responsibility on people like myself to take that first step to push forward. I agree.
1: I, I think I acknowledge that. I, I think in my case, for example, I was the one going and doing it right and I, I had to take that initiative nobody is coming to me and going to support
0: that. And then coming on to as someone who's had these relationships both in work and outside with mm-hmm. close of friends I wonder what are some of those touching on the iceberg what are some of those things under the level of the water that you've come to learn and see and appreciate and how important that has or hasn't been for your work?
1: Ah, That's a tough question.
0: (laughs) I've read uh,
1: Trevor Noah's book about, let's say, black tax. I didn't appreciate or acknowledge it until I got very close to certain friends as to how much they do for their families and how much it takes out of them, Uh, both in terms of financial expenses, but also emotionally engaged. They have to be with their immediate families, their extended families, their village, (laughs) right? Like there's a lot that happens. So on the top, it might look like, oh, why are they hustling uh, all the time? Because, But I come from a privileged background that I don't need to support a whole village. I don't need to support my 10 siblings. So <laughs> technically, I'm, I can live and earn for myself. So one salary of whatever I'm doing is more than enough, right? And I... When I was always being asked for, let's say, fundraisers, for example, like in Kenya, it's quite uh, prevalent. It it is like a social security again that you fundraise for health issues, you fundraise for funerals, for various, various reasons. And at some point, I think I was really getting a little frustrated about these fundraisers, you know, and I was like, why? Uh, But then it took me a while to understand, yes, I mean, there is a reason for these things and, and... fundraising is a way that they support each other like it, it is about coming together as a community to help it's a give and take also i mean it's not just one way at some point like it it is it, it is building those networks and that friendships and um the more conversations again around this i had and i would openly said like it is a bit frustrating to pay up or like you know it feels like a tax to me when i am an expat here I mean, if i was just looking at it from a very privileged perspective like i'm irritated Versus, no, there is a reason for it, and there is there are things that are happening behind.
0: Similarly, then that may come into your workplace, where like these are the yeah. pressures that you face. You have this job, yeah. but you also are having to you know have side hustles.
1: So not just side hustles, but also just the emotional uh, support of, let's say you have uh, ten siblings, and at any given point of one one is sick. I mean, it is a lot of pressure on you. You want performance as a colleague. You need to be. Keep performing and scoring and doing very good in your job. But if you are sick or your sibling is sick at any given point of time, you, your mind share is going to go to that problem. Being aware about the differences in this situation and acknowledging the fact that you're not 100% all the time, your mind share is being taken by your family, extended family, village problems. I mean, you would expect the colleague to, colleague to perform 100%. And they've given you eighty percent, and you're very unhappy about it, and you're yeah. like very openly unhappy about it. But <laughs> does that really work in your favor then?
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's a really important point because it, even if I think of my experiences, what I remember coming to Kenya was that it was very nice in the sense that suddenly I didn't, I wasn't as weighed down upon by what was happening in the UK. There was Brexit, and there was all. of political issues and it was a form of escapism actually uh, but a huge pressure release to not not have to talk about or think about or care about all of that and I think the flip side of that is Kenyans who of course here politics of which is very significant in discussions and concerns with you know real consequences then it makes complete sense it's something that's on people's mind and I think the trick is that as an expat I can be divorced from all these other pressures And as you say, focus 100% on the job, on my life, and just myself. And that's just not a reality for a Kenyan. And I think that appreciation is something that we need to factor into the work environment. Looking at both nationals and expats, what is it that you think both sides are currently doing because i think people are trying what are they doing that isn't isn't working
1: um i i must say that a lot of people do have parties and you know there are a lot of uh, in a social setting especially or even organization encourage a lot of culture and diversity and you know they they try their best to have social occasions where everybody meets everybody gets together so there is definitely that effort coming in from multiple angles. and But like I said, like it could a lot of it could be friendliness, right? Like a mm-hmm. lot of it is there, but it needs to go much further. And that requires a lot more time, effort, uh, interest. That's m- my take on this. <laughs> that as much as there's a lot of effort, there's most probably needs a lot more effort at this point.
0: And it's a different type of effort. So I think to people at least... From, from the UK, where I come mm-hmm. from, there could be a sense where effort means having a few friendly conversations, yeah, chatting about the weekend, chatting about what you get up to, etc. Yeah. is the kind of thing which I might initially count as effort, but that wouldn't be enough.
1: Definitely not. Constant engagement helps. That's how change happens, I think. Yeah. It's not going to be one shot. It's not a vaccine. Um, it needs to be <laughs> like,
0: uh, <laughs> the friendship vaccine uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I wish there was something like that
1: but no um, so we need think of it as an everyday vitamin that you're going to have like for life uh, because it is important it's for the future generations it's, it's for bringing about that change
0: and then I'd love to tie it into people's work in these organizations mm-hmm. how have you seen these divides impact upon people's work
1: organizations need A lot more from the people than their so-called job description and thinkers and executioners. I mean, somebody needs to feel that it is their baby, right? If you're setting up a company, it's very simple. Like you, you as a startup founder, you would give everything to that company. But would you do that level of effort? Would you put that level of effort in your job if you are having a very unhealthy environment or where you? don't think of it as a safe space, or if you don't like your colleagues, for example, or like these cultural differences were so huge that you just, you don't, you've never had conversations mm. about it, you never, you never di- discussed racial differences, it is going to affect your work.
0: I think it's an acknowledgement that regardless of whether we like it or not, perceptions will have a huge impact on how we relate, and how we work together. And so we have to actively try to engage on those perceptions and work
1: And like today I know something is frustrating my colleague and I know how to address that by linking that person to some other person I know. Just doing that can help that person and I know that. And I'll come and help you only if you were my friend. And this is work situations that if it was a very conducive environment where you could have this level of engagement... I think work becomes that much more enjoyable. We spend so much active time in our office. Workplaces are super duper important right, for all of us. So I think that's where conversations, real conversations have to start. And how would you make that actionable
0: at work for an organization? Yeah. Maybe even like your own. How would you, in a work setting, set up (laughs) such an environment?
1: So we've been trying, say, let's say I've been part of a social committee or whatever, like trying to see, let's do some active work together, like let's go for walks together. Between the
0: expats and the Kenyans.
1: Yes, between the expats and the Kenyans, but also just amongst colleagues. Cultural differences are not just between the expat and the locals, like between the different tribes, between different religions, everything there are differences. So there's a lot to bridge and acknowledge and work together. It's not so cut and dried Which means that there's a lot to work towards in every organization. I think organizations should really do something about
0: it. And not to jump into, well, let's start with the hard conversations. Yeah. Because I think from your experiences, it's those relationships which take time, take effort, which build the trust yeah. to then tackle the hard topics. So if yeah. you go and you say, we are going to have a...
1: Open e- mic session exactly right now. On
0: any, any discrimination topic, uh, issues, you're not going to get much. And you don't get much. I, I've seen yeah. organizations... It'll
1: be very superficial.
0: Exactly. So it's a much longer project. Yeah. It's not just a training. It can be a training plus. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it's that yeah, it's a, a longer piece of work yeah. around building those relationships. To then be able to contribute in the workplace. Yeah.
1: So organizations should have the capacities themselves to deal with it. So bring in external consultants. Maybe internally you might not have. So maybe bring in some wo- somebody who have yeah, the I skill sets do to do it. So as an organization, I think that's very, very important. Uh, as a number one, to, to build the capacities of some staff to actually have those conversations and start off. But also do a little more in terms of social events, maybe, where people can engage a lot more and for a longer period (laughs) at at the same time. So there could be many examples, like we are trying something like an employee appreciation month kind of situation where we are just pairing a couple of staff members randomly and then saying, okay, you have a month where you could have conversations, coffees together, whatever, like engage way uh, what you can do so maybe that's a conversation starter you know maybe the first coffee very superficial maybe the second one better maybe the fourth one is going to be a good thing
0: and i think it shifts the role of organizations here in this context international organizations it's a bit more profound it's a bit deeper in terms of their responsibility so it's not just you're here to do your work etc it's well actually for us to work well as an organization yeah given we come from such different backgrounds, given the, the history, etc., it does take a little bit more. It's more of a responsibility of us as an organization to build social spaces, whereas a British company might not think of it as as much of their responsibility. Yes. And there's a great book you've mentioned, The Culture Map by Aaron yeah. Meyer, we'll, yeah. we'll post it on the respective social medias. But I think what that book really emphasizes very clearly is how, particularly on this notion of trust and workplace, it is this difference that in more european contexts let's say or, or western contexts you are judged and trust is built in the workplace based upon your outputs and the quality of your outputs and by contrast in india or kenya it's much more based on those personal relationships sure. and i think that finding and the truth <laughs> to whatever degree of that finding yeah. does place the emphasis on why It is quite different here and why you need to have those relationships, those friendships to bridge that divide. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for making the time, Pandana. It's been wonderful to touch upon this, your experiences, what has worked, what hasn't worked. And as you say, having those conversations, which which we need to continue to have.
1: Thank you, well enough. Thank you for having me on this. (laughs) And let's hope it's a conversation
0: starter. Thanks for listening to this episode I'd be really curious to hear What are your experiences of this expat Kenyan divide? Have you bridged it? Have we overblown the problem? or do you not have much faith in anyone bridging this gap? So please make sure to share your thoughts and opinions. You can find all the links on social media in the description, where also in addition to getting these thoughts, we share articles, quotes, and recently a string of amazing art that delve into actually these questions by an Indian artist called Vidusha Yadav. I highly recommend to check it out. And lastly, make sure to share and subscribe to continue the (laughs) conversation.